0: a man in a real place and time a long time ago but death could not keep him and he rose from the dead where is he now and for we don't see him with our eyes but christians love him and believe in him what is belief in him called Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. This is the word of God. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. There ends the reading of God's word. Let us pray together. Mighty God, how thankful we are for your entire word. You have spoken to us And we pray that we would hear whenever we hear your word read. We thank you for this one particular verse. We pray as we explore together through this sermon, we ask that we would understand more fully the glories of our Savior Jesus. And so we pray that you would send your Holy Spirit in a special way to please help the preacher. And that you would be all with all of us who will hear this morning, that we would receive from you the truths that always transform our lives to some degree, that we would hear them well, receive them well this morning, minister to us through your Holy Spirit and by the power of your word. Amen. Well, here are the words of the living Christ. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come the almighty i am the alpha and the omega beginning and the end to the thirsty i will give from the spring of water of life without payment i am the alpha and the omega the first and the last the beginning and the end those are the words of jesus and the author of hebrews captures the sentiment the truth i should say behind that very Truth that Jesus states, and he puts it this way, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's a standalone verse in some ways. It, in some ways, seems out of place from what we've already dealt with in Hebrews. But while it's a standalone verse, it's also within a context. And so, just a brief word about the context. First of all, they needed to have reinforced the truths about Jesus that they had been taught. We recently discovered that they had been taught those things by saints who have already passed into glory. They've died. They're gone. But the truths remain, and they have to hold on to those things. And so that's part of the context. That's the more immediate context. And then they have to be galvanized, strengthened against heresy, which is an issue that's constantly surrounded the person of Jesus since the time he's come all different teachings about Jesus that are contrary to things that scripture taught, scripture teaches. They also had to have some of their potential doubts laid to rest about Jesus and where did he go and what is he like now? They also needed assurance to know that things were going to be okay because they were facing great trials and tribulations and it was going to get worse, very quickly and very dramatically. And so that's the context of this passage. But the passage itself, the verse itself, soars above the context, you might say, that it stands alone as a Christian creed of sorts. Christian creed that's packed with glorious truths about the Lord Jesus Christ that should come home to every Christian all the time. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, And forever. For Christians, they need to not lose sight of who Jesus is. For unbelievers, they need to reckon with the fact that someday they will see this very Jesus face to face. And so this has bearing on believers and unbelievers as well. For the believers, the Hebrews certainly needed to know it, the Hebrew church. Throughout the ages, this truth has has given great foundation, great trust, and great comfort for believers throughout the ages, but we need to hear it too. We need to have this truth continually going through our hearts and our minds. If we look at the chaos of the world, we need to remember that Jesus remains the same. As our lives change, as our circumstances in our lives change, we need to remember that Jesus remains the same. In a way, this is a creed that should be recited in our minds and in our hearts every single day. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. The search is over if we want to know who Jesus is. Now, that idea of the search for Jesus might sound silly to us, especially for those of us who have believed for any length of time. We know who Jesus is, and our authority is Scripture, and we're told continually in Scripture who He is. I have two points under that the Jesus of the Bible and the Jesus of history. The Jesus of the Bible. We know who Jesus is according to the Word. John, in his Gospel, sums up the purpose of his Gospel. By saying that he wrote these things so you would know that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and believing in him, you would have eternal life. Very simple, Jesus is Savior. As the Christ, he is the Deliverer, the Messiah, the long-awaited King of his people. That's who Jesus is. He's the one who was foretold in the Old Testament. His life is traced through the Gospels. His work continues on through the book of Acts. He's explained further. His person is explained further in in the letters in Scripture. And then he's magnified even more when we come to Revelation. This is the Jesus of Scripture. The Jesus of the Bible. The Jesus of history. The Jesus of history. You see, I say the Jesus of history because some still foolishly try to deny that Jesus ever existed, and that just doesn't make sense because historians know that Jesus, the person referred to in the Bible, existed. But others want to detract from his person, diminish his person, deride his person, dismiss his person, distort his person. They're all dangerous denials, and they're in defiance of Christ himself. The proper term for that is any changing of Jesus is blasphemy. The fact of the matter is there's absolutely no difference between the Jesus of the Bible and the Jesus of history. Somebody asked me that question. Is there a difference? And I don't know if it was rhetorical or a general, a genuine question, but is there a difference? No. The Jesus of the Bible is the Jesus of, Of history, he's one and the same. And people can say all they want about Jesus, but the fact of the matter is he's the same Jesus yesterday, today, and forever. It's man's imagination that turns the glorious person of Jesus into a fiction. Jesus is the same as he always is. And the point here is That the Son of God does not change. The Son of God does not change. So that would let us look back to the Gospel of John in the beginning. The very opening verses. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was in the light was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The eternal Son of God. And John's point is is that eternal Son of God came in the flesh. Came in the flesh. The point is that the Son of God does not change. But in our context, it has specific reference to the time period beginning when Jesus took on flesh. If you're in Hebrews, turn back to chapter 1. We're going to read down. We're going to have to skip some, and then we'll jump ahead a little bit right here in Hebrews. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed And you, Lord, lay the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They all wear out like a garment. Like a robe, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will have no end. The writer of Hebrews is referring to the incarnate person of Christ. In that verse, he's reflecting back to Psalm 102, of old you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will, cha- you will change them like a robe, and they will pass away. So this person of Christ, Jesus, the Christ, is the eternal God, here taken on human flesh. Here we're talking about, first of all, the yesterday. The yesterday has to do with the incarnation. Think about what yesterday is. What is yesterday? Yesterday is anything basically before today. My kids, when they were little, when they would talk about anything that happened before today, they would call it yestertime, which was very clever because it didn't necessarily mean the day before. Sometime Before today, yester time. And so, in this yester time, we have Jesus. We have Jesus from the time of the incarnation. We have the mystery of the incarnation. John Murray, the great Scottish theologian, says that the first mystery of Scripture is the Trinity. It's a trinity, the mystery of God's eternal being in three persons. But then he says this, the second mystery is that of the incarnation. And that is the mystery of godliness, the mystery of Christianity. It is that to which Paul refers when he says, great is the mystery of godliness. This is a mystery that came to be, one that had a beginning in history. The Son of God became in time what he eternally was not. Listen carefully. He did not cease to be what he eternally was, but he began to be what he was not. In other words, now God and man in one person. That's what the author is referring to. This yesterday began with Jesus being conceived by the Holy Spirit. And we see this yesterday mapped out in the gospel. We see Jesus grow in stature and in wisdom with God and with with men. We see Jesus begin his public ministry. We see Jesus teaching and preaching and then we see him suffering and dying. We see this same Jesus. We follow him to the cross. And it might seem, especially to them, not to us, but it might seem like it was just yesterday. For anyone who's lived any amount of years, 30 years ago doesn't seem in some ways that long ago. In other ways, it might. If you're not 30, that makes no sense to you whatsoever. 30 probably seems like an eternity to you. But this yesterday is when Jesus walked the earth. This is the gospel that we believe in. It's the gospel that we preach. And so we have to allow that there is some change involved here, right? If you, if you look at the incarnation, you see that Jesus was a helpless little infant baby. We see that he had to grow physically and, and in wisdom as well. We see that he had to undergo change as he became an adult. And, and certainly as he, as he suffered, he hungered, he thirsted. All those things would bring change to his physical humanity. Certainly, when he was crucified, those those pegs went through his arms and his feet, and the spear went through his side. Those were very real changes in the human person of Jesus, bearing the marks of the Redeemer, the marks of the cross, that in John's Revelation... He still bears the marks in those visions, looking as though a lamb who had been slain. And so there are those changes to his physical humanity, but he remains the Son of God. And he remains the Son of God, fully man and fully God in his glorified state. Jesus the Christ has not changed. For us, the fact that that is true gives us great confidence because he went before us bearing our flesh and now bears our flesh glorified. It's our hope of resurrection is all bound up in the fact that Jesus is the same. Fact of the matter is, we will all see decay. That's, we just sang that in two songs this morning. We fade and die like flowers in beauty. We're like the grass that withers, less poetically, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. We will, we will, but Jesus did not see decay. Jesus did not turn to dust. Jesus rose up from the dead. He couldn't see decay. He ascended to the right hand of glory in the physical human flesh that people saw him in before their very eyes. Our hope, again, in the resurrection is bound up in his glorified state. But what a great comfort to know that he reigns right now, today. That he reigns as King of Kings and Lord of Lords now. And that he intercedes on our behalf regularly as our high priest forever. And it's so important for us to remember that his love for us has not changed. And will not change. Recently, with confidence, I could hold the hand of a saint who's passing into glory very soon. And I could say to her with full confidence that that Jesus loves her just as much now as he did when he first came to know her. As he does right then there with her and when he receives her His love will be so crystal clear to her that she won't even be able to fathom it when her eyes actually see Jesus. What great confidence we have. If we have any confidence in this chaotic world, it's the fact that Jesus Christ reigns. If we have any confidence personally in this life, It's the fact that he hasn't changed and he still keeps us and cares for us. If you could really sing earlier, I belong to Jesus. Do you know what a profound statement that absolutely simple song is? Or Jesus loves me? How unchanging and how unbending that in itself is. I think that Jesus looks down and cares for us the very same way he did. Brief quote from Jonathan Edwards, great. New England preacher, colonial, pre colonial times. You may from this doctrine see the unchangeableness of his love. And therefore, when you consider how great love he seemed to manifest when he yielded himself up to God, a sacrifice for you in his agony and bloody sweat in the garden, and when he went out to the place of his crucifixion bearing his own cross, you may rejoice that his love now is the same as it was then. Right now. Right now. So consider the fact that Jesus, if we can use these terms, looks down from heaven with the same kind of love that he's always had for you. That will not change. And turn it around and be reminded that we, in turn, are to look, as it were, up to Jesus, up to Jesus for our comfort and our strength. You remember how the author of Hebrews said, keep your eyes fixed on the author and finisher of your faith. We look up to him. That's 12.12. Therefore, lift up your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet. In other words, keep your eyes on Jesus. Strive, strive. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. Earlier, we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Do you look to Jesus? Do you remember that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever? A song by a man named Bebo Norman with someone else named Jason Ingram. And it, it goes like this God, my God, I cry out. Your beloved needs you now. God, be near, calm my fear, and take my doubt. Your kindness is what pulls me up, your love is all that draws me in. I will lift my eyes to the maker of the mountains I can't climb, I lift my eyes to the calmer of the oceans raging wild. I will lift my eyes to the healer of the hurt I hold inside. I will lift my eyes, lift my eyes to you. My God, let mercy sing her melody over me. And God, right here, all I bring is all of me. Your kindness is what pulls me up. Your love is all that draws me in. You are and you were and you will be forever the lover I need to save me. You fashion the earth and you hold it together. God, so hold me now. I will lift my eyes to the maker. And he goes on, repeating that chorus. Do you lift your eyes to Christ who doesn't change? I wonder about myself. I wonder about us, why we hesitate to look to him considering who he is. So every saved sinner needs to look to Jesus and be reminded of his constant care. But every unrepentant sinner needs to remember that that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that he still saves sinners. That has not changed. The effective work that he did on the cross is still relevant and powerful to save today. But today, today will end. And even when tomorrow becomes today, that will end too. But you'll notice in our passage, it's not tomorrow. It's forever. And when this day ends for us, we'll step into forever. And we'll step into the presence of Jesus, who is forever. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That that mystery that the God-man is reigning and ruling over all, who can fathom that reign? But we'll all see him. And there will be a big change. Not in Christ. The change will come in us. We're told in scripture, when we see him, we will be like him. We will see him face to face. That will change us from glory to glory. And we then will see him more glorious than we've ever imagined him. It's a savior that we'll all see. Isn't there this this awe-inspiring anticipation? Even the saintliest saint with the greatest assurance in Christ still has to consider the prospect of standing into the presence of Jesus. Are we to think that we're going to waltz into his presence? I don't think so. If you're familiar with John's experience in the beginning of Revelation, when he sees, and it's a vision, when he sees Jesus, what happens to him? He falls down as though he was dead. As though he was dead. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But... He laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not. I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death in Hades. What an awesome thing it is to step in the presence, into the presence of Jesus. And for the saints, it will be a glorious thing and we'll be made like him when all the the filth of our sin is finally, finally, completely washed away and we too are glorified. Transformed forever. He's our help now and he's our hope forever. But here's the other side. That some who step into the presence of Jesus will be removed from him. I do not know you. What a horrible shock to the depths of the system of any soul it would be to hear Jesus say, I do not know you. You called me Lord, Lord. But you didn't do what I said. I do not know you. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. The words of the living Christ. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, to the thirsty I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let's pray. Lord, I trust that each one of us today has been stopped in our tracts to listen to and heed the very glorious and powerful words from your scripture, this wonderful verse. We trust that we've stopped and listened and that your word, Jesus, the same yesterday, today, and forever has penetrated our hearts, giving assurance to all who believe getting the attention of all who reject Jesus. May they learn to kiss the Son. We thank you for your mercy and your grace in sending our Savior Jesus. And we praise you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen.
1: the Lamb who bears our sins away, slain for us. The body of our Savior, Jesus Christ, torn for you. Eat and remember the wounds that heal, the death that brings us life, paid the price. Table of the King, the blood that cleanses every stain of sin shed for you. Drink. And see. So with thankfulness and faith we...
0: This morning we have the privilege of celebrating the Lord's Supper. This table is for those who have trusted in Jesus Christ for salvation from your sins and have trusted in him alone. His grace alone can save us. For those of you who have not yet trusted in Christ, if there's anyone here who has not, we ask that you take this time to truly consider the things you've heard about him this morning, things that you may know about him already. And consider your relationship with him and your need for a savior to reconcile you to God. And so don't don't waste this time. Don't feel uncomfortable, so to speak, being with us. We want you to stay. And uh, we do invite anyone, though, who is trusted in Christ and who is a member of a church that believes the Bible, teaches the Bible, preaches the Bible to come and participate in the table. I'll read the words of Paul in the Institution of the Lord's Supper. And then we'll spend a little time in silent prayer. And then I'll ask for the elders to come forward. Apostle Paul writes, I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's pray silently. Lord our God, we praise you for your goodness to us in providing this table, this great remembrance that is so profoundly deep and filled with your grace, reminding us of the way our sins have been forgiven, reminding us certainly of our offense against you, but more so of the great forgiveness that you've shown through the shedding of the blood and the giving of the body of our Lord Jesus. As we come to this table, we come with sobriety, but with also, also with great joy. And as we come, Lord, we pray that you would help us to more and more do what's pleasing in your sight. We pray that if we need to be reconciled with anyone in our lives, especially the brothers and sisters in Christ, that you would put it upon our hearts to pursue that. Lord, be honored and glorified among your people, even as we celebrate this table. We ask that you would feed us with this feast for our souls. And we come to you in the name of our Savior, who was dead, but who now lives, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. If I can have the elders come forward, please. learn from the Gospels and as God revealed to the Apostle Paul that it was on the night that Jesus was betrayed, that he took one of the loaves of bread from the supper and he broke it in their presence and he said, this bread is my body given for you. Jesus instructed the disciples as he instructs us through his living word to take and eat in remembrance of him. In the same way, after the supper, Jesus took one of the cups and he said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Jesus said, do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Brothers and sisters in the Lord, we have proclaimed the death of our Lord Jesus Christ and we will do so until he comes and may he come quickly. Amen. Closing hymn is When I Survey the Wondrous Cross 252. If you're using the Trinity Hymnal, I will please stand. Now receive the Lord's blessing. To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and give you peace. Amen.